This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Speaking with makeup artist, Academy Award winner, and author Michael Westmore is like getting to know a national treasure and getting the keys to his treasure chest. He knows everything about the history of the film industry. He, his grandfather, father, uncles, and children are all part of the Westmore family of makeup artists. He comes from an extraordinary legacy. And also, he created one of his very own through Star Trek. Few men know my face as well as he does. He knows the pluses and the minuses. He can improve the defects, and sometimes he even makes them disappear. All of the next-gen actors adore him, and I would imagine all DS9, Voyager, and Enterprise actors adore him as well. He checks all my boxes. Gifted artist, great sense of humor, great listener, great storyteller, diplomatic, and smart. So here we go. You may hear lots of names that you can Google as you listen, but trust me, it will be worth it. Can you see me, Mike? Uh, let me put my glasses on. Aside from everything <laughs> else that happens with... With 82 years old. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> My favorite redhead. <laughs> well, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. I have read your book now twice. Uh, first of all, it's amazingly fabulous. Thank you. It's a really, really well done book. I don't know. What a life you've had. I think anyone who reads that book wants to be you. <laughs> I, you know, it's something uh, in myself. I, I will go back and, and look things up because I literally did so much. That's why it took me 14 years to put it together. I kept finding things. And I've thought about doing another one. It would be a gift. I mean, I always adored you. I still, you, you know, remember when I first met you and I thought, I got this vibe like, oh, she looks difficult. I think I'm not going to deal with her. And then when we finally did uh, the big goodbye, we just hit it off. I could not believe that that's how long it took to do brilliant makeup. I was unrecognizable. I was so beautiful. <laughs> no. And, no, it's true. I No. Oh, no, there, there was just this knowledge that you knew about everything, every department would come into the makeup trailer. You were the one, I think, for everything. It's pretty impressive. And my regret is that that I, I'm like, wow, I just should have sat in that chair and asked Mike, what are your stories? Because it's it's quite a life, Michael. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, and, it's, and, and I, as I said, I keep coming up with little things. When you had memories like your Irish uh, lady who who sort of was your nanny, I don't know what you call her housekeeper. Tell hey, me about hey. tell me about her. What was that like? and and uh, you know, what was your day like? Like you woke up, your mother was probably already at the studio, right? Yes, yeah, because uh, my mom went back to work when I was six years old. Uh, wow, she well, my dad died when I was two years old. and uh, no, she went back earlier. Um, because she had to, there was no income at that point. So uh, she had to pick up where she, she actually quit in the studios uh, somewhere 
in the 30s and then went back uh, to Warner Brothers. My uncle Purse was actually running the studio there and uh, picked up the pace and everything. So Kate came in to uh, basically be a mother to me. And she was. Uh, I must say, when Kate died, I bawled. Uh, Two people I know of, my Uncle Bud, I bawled. And with Kate, I bawled. Wow. I wasn't that close to my mother. Wow. Because she wasn't there. Uh, My mother supported everything. She was home. You know, that's when they worked six days a week. And they worked until uh, about five, six o'clock on Saturdays. Uh, they'd leave a little early. I would go to work with her on Saturdays and play at Warner Brothers. It was my playground growing up. I knew where every ice cream machine on the lot was. So what would and you people, do? I, what would you do? Like, so you'd go there and then play around, she, go on stages, go on empty stages. And it's like now if a kid was roaming around, you know, oh, probably, no. they never bothered me. I mean, I knew right where the makeup department was to find my way back and be back with my mother. But I would sit on the sets and watch them. Uh, they were doing a movie called Shine On Harvest Moon. Uh, Dennis Morgan, who was big right. actor, big singer and everything. Right. Well, singing, shine on, shine on harvest. <laughs> and this big giant gate swinging and everything. But I remember that sitting there. I remember uh, Burt Lancaster in the, in the Flame and the Arrow. He was um, a trapeze artist. So he's swinging literally across this giant stage on a rope and everything. I'm sitting there watching that. And they had a table full of food. And I remember my mom telling me, don't eat it. They got fly spray on it. So, um, <laughs> See, those are the little yeah. inside tips. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, but and, now tell, uh, me, tell me about this, this. So the woman, you would wake up yeah. and you, it was you and your brother. Brother Marvin, who just passed away. She would get you up and you'd have breakfast. It would be an organized household in that way. Or did you have lots of freedom to sort of wander around? Because life was quite different then. It was was time to get up and get dressed and go to school. Two eggs every day, fried, sunny side up with toast. and dip the toast in. Uh, Literally until I graduated from high school. Uh, Kate (laughs) Kate finally, and and she was, I said, like a mother to me. Um, she did, you know, wash my clothes and wipe my nose. And uh, she's the one I'd come screaming to if I hurt myself. And uh, uh, it was uh, so close. In fact, I even slept uh, in, in her bed for a couple of years. I mean, that's, you know, we yep. actually had such a bond. Mm-hmm. Uh, the middle room of our, our house we had in North Hollywood. Like, like I, I can't even, it, will, I, it has to be mo- mother. That's, that's yeah. what she really yeah. was to me. Was, and was and she didn't have kids. And what was her, did she have a family she, or what had happened? No, she was engaged to a man who flew in the First World War. And he was shot down and killed. He mm. was a pilot. Never married or wow. dated after that. She worked for three families her whole life. Ours was the third. She went in and raised the kids to a certain point, 18 years old, whatever it was, and then moved on to another family. But I was even friends with the kids. The older kids would come and visit her because she was the mm. same type of person to them. Mm. She had a brother that lived in Victorville. He was a security guard on a mine. And this is in the 40s. We would take streetcars, connecting streetcars from North Hollywood to Victor. It was an all-day trip. 
go out there and have lunch with them in an hour and get back on streetcars and wow. come back. And there, there was a great uh, transportation system. Right. Those streetcars were wonderful, weren't they? What a, yes. what a horrible oh, thing that they got rid of them. It's, it was political. Yes, of course. It's all about money. What, you know, what isn't around here with any yeah. kind of corporation or anything? What your grandfather started, where you learn the trade and you, that is the way you get into something. You, you start by doing a task. First, you obviously do the low, lowly tasks, but then you start to really learn the trade. And it takes years to mm-hmm. learn it well. You still did that at Paramount. You would train people, like uh, even in, during my tenure there, mm-hmm. I saw you training mm-hmm. people. And mm-hmm. clearly, your generosity was something that you must have gotten from your uncles. I had three years, an apprenticeship that went for three years. Every six months, I would do something different. Uh, I started with the first six months learning beauty makeup, watching my Uncle Bud do Sandra D every day and getting Sandy uh, coffee. And um, it was like, it, it just progressed. And then I started, it was my turn. After I did six months of that, I would haul in secretaries and I would do beauty makeup on them. In fact, mm. that's how I met my wife uh, the first time. I had her come down to the studio to do a makeup on her. Uh, little did I know she did a great job on herself anyway. So, because uh, <laughs> she, was, she was one of Edith Head's models. Um, but uh, it, the training was very important in everything, how to lay beards, uh, how to put, uh, well, one thing that tr- I wasn't trained for was uh, Shelly Winters was sitting in a chair. This is, I just passed my tests and I was able to uh, be on my own in the doing a show. And uh, Nick Marcelino, who's assistant department head, said, here, I want you to meet Shelly Winters. You're going to be doing her makeup. And I'm going, oh my gosh, that's fun. <laughs> so he says, and, and she wants to wear lips. I have never, I had never practiced or worked on a lip before. It's a little piece of tape on a string that you pull the face up with and tie it up here and you pull everything up all to, to one spot. Yeah. And uh, uh, we go into the room and it's like, hello, how do you do? And everything like that. And she looks at me and says, do you know how to do lifts? And I get as far as, and Nick goes, Your mouth does, he, does he know how he invented them? Great. See you tomorrow morning. So I literally got some lips, which are these little pieces of tape or little pieces of this was silk, not tape. So I had to glue it down spirit gum. But I went home that night and I practiced on my mother for a couple hours. Wow. I'm so nervous that it's like a little bit of glue, put the silk in, and she's saying to me, is that all it is to it? And I said, what do you mean? She says, well, I did it in like 20 minutes. Oh, she wow. said, this other guy that I had used to take over an hour to do it and made a wow. whole big show out of it. And uh, so um, that's the thing about you. You listen to people, you're there, you never feel that you have to dominate. I think part of that three year watching is to watch how you interact with your people that you're working on, because everyone's so different. And you were a master at that. Were you a kid who wanted to be, oh, I want to be part of this family. I want to do what Uncle Purse does. Or did you have, no, you're shaking your head no. So tell me, what, what, how did you get seduced into this? I was at college in Santa Barbara, and it got down to my junior year. My Uncle Bud called me, and he said, and this, this, this happened because of my mother, because she raised Bud. So it was like 
dues paying time. Bud called me and said, would you want an apprenticeship? And I'm thinking, I can leave school as a junior or I'll stay here. No Westmore had ever graduated from university. I said, no, I don't want to, because I did have plans to go on to Berkeley or some school, do graduate work. And I thought- What were you interested in? Art history. I majored in art history. Originally, Originally majored in teaching, but when I got into the teaching part of it, and you would go into the classes where they're teaching it, and you see the kids, especially like high school, everybody that's screwed up in the school, except for maybe one talented kid, gets thrown into the art class because they don't know where to put them. <laughs> so I decided, no, I don't want to do this. And I happened to take an art history class, and I got close somewhere between an F and a D on my midterm. This man only gave two <laughs> tests in a, in a paper. Wow. And, and I, was, I was dying. Because I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is going to kill my grade average and everything. So I literally, I studied it. It was Renaissance art. I studied Mm. it so thorough that I got an A on the next test and I got an A on my paper. And the next semester, uh, I changed to uh, to art history totally. And I was loaded. Not only did I have like four or five art history classes uh, at one time. I became a teacher's assistant just so mm. I could see more stuff. And I loved it. And that's why I was going to go into, uh, and I and I kind of played with archaeology on the side because we had Indian sites up there in Santa Barbara. So I was kind of like wanting to combine both uh, archaeology and art history. And that's the direction I was going. But uh, Bud said to me in my junior, he says, if I hold this open, because normally they were filled instantly. If I hold this position open for a year, Will you take it after you graduate? And I thought for a minute, and I'm going, well, you know, I've been studying for so long. I think I'll take a, a take different a road at this point. And I said, sure, I'll, I'll come. Because I figured if I hate it, I can go to UCLA and pick up my graduate work. My fax machine went off right here. <laughs> uh, so then I, well, I changed at that point And with the idea that I would go back to school if it didn't work out. And so uh, Bud um, set it all up for me, and that's where I went. And the very first picture I ever worked on was Flower Drum Song, which was right. an absolutely gorgeous musical. Oh, absolutely gorgeous. I, I loved Nancy, Nancy Kwan, right? Yep. It was interesting. Um, when at first, th- th- we had took over two stages, and they had a whole Chinatown built on uh, these stages. And the first day they came in, and the Chinese people all looked around and said, uh, there's a problem here because over, over the uh, shoe store, it says fish market. And so they had hung the wrong, they just went in there and hung signs all around. Uh, that's, the direct, that's actually so you know, racist that they would just assume they can just do anything Chinese and that's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and the director actually finished the film three weeks in advance mm. and they bought him a new Mercedes. Wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. It, it, so he didn't Irene get. Sharp, yeah. He didn't get a, a can of popcorn like we got from Gene Roddenberry that first season. <laughs> we got a can of popcorn. I and Tom Cruise was getting you know three cars. I, I mean I understand we were not yeah. Tom Cruise, but it it was pretty funny to get a can of popcorn. It was it was pretty lame. I think all the. <laughs> Most, most everything. Next generation were kind of like the best gifts, and after that, Enterprise we had absolutely nothing. I have a problem with that. Yeah. I want to ask you a question, though. You are such a sculptor. You you do kind of everything. And 
so in that way, you're a Renaissance man. And, and it makes sense that you liked art history to me because mm-hmm. it's this thing of, of really observing, looking, the detail in art. There's something that's so wonderful about teaching yourself to sort of see in a new way when you're when you're sculpting or it's a 3D, you're feeling in mm-hmm. a different way. How mm-hmm. did you, when did you first notice you were getting into that? Did you do that as a child? Did you like play with, no. 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 Um, you were just gifted. I don't think it's, it, it, oh, I tell you, at Universal, part of my three-year training that I was there, I was uh, working in the lab when I, when, as soon as I would do my makeups, my duties during the day, I would go up to the lab and hanging there is the creature from the Black Lagoon suit and the mutant heads from another film and the mole men from someplace else and all these heads, uh, plaster heads that uh, appliances have been done on. It was it was a great old thing and nobody ever dusted the place. It was uh, <laughs> it was fantastic. It was over the makeup department near the main gate at Universal. And Bud brought in a man. We were doing a picture called The List of Adrian Messenger that needed yeah. lots of masks. It was in fact, a great a picture movie. Of it. In, my, in my book, there's a picture of uh, me with a table with all the stuff, all the plaster molds and everything. But John Chambers was brought in to uh, do the basic work there, the, the sculpting and the uh, mold making. They also brought in a mold maker and another sculptor by the name of Chris Mueller, who is the one that sculpted the whole suit for the creatures in Black Lagoon. Chris was trained by his father, who literally sculpted all the things on the Palace of Fine Arts in San Francisco. So Chris wow. actually apprenticed his early days there. So I was there as the apprentice with all these men. I was able to get uh, hints and watch Chris sculpt and Elmer make molds and John, who was a uh, dental technician in the army, turned makeup artist, uh, was the man that won the Oscar for the Planet of the Apes. And mm. so I was John. I was John's first apprentice before he was like working over at CBS in the really? makeup department. Yeah. yeah, brilliant man. So I had the opportunity of watching all these people. Uh, on top of that, the uh, a man by the name of Don Cash Sr was an expert in running foam latex. So it finally got down to the point because we had zillions of molds on list of Adrian Messenger to run every day, line them up, prepare them, squirt the rubber into them, close them up, put them in the oven and bake them. And Don Cash Sr. would say, I'm gonna teach you how to do this. And he was a rather portly man. And there was a director's chair there and Don would just go sit back in his chair and say, okay, go ahead. And he would watch me do it all. You know, I was really, really into Mary Pickford and the start of Universal Studios. Yeah. You said that your father was the one who started the curls for her? Grandfather. Um, He was a brilliant hairdresser himself, but uh, a real taskmaster with the kids. In the book, it talks about him chaining the kids to the table so they couldn't go and play because their duty was to us. To sit and make wigs. That's in Frank's book. Yeah. Oh, that's that's awful. Because I, I was when when you even mentioned something, I thought, wow, t- the thought of trying to get my son and <laughs> to sit there and make wigs for hours. It is such hard work. Those you know because you were taking all the hairs and putting them one by one or two by one two. One by in one. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So that uh, really was child labor that was going on there. Really, I mean. 
Well, you know, the whole world was at that point, whether, I know, whether they were I know. at sewing machines or, but, but yes. But or in the, in the fields of the farm. My father had to do that at the farm. He was raised on a dairy farm yeah. and he hated it. You talked about your grandfather setting up this competition between the sons. Talk about that a little bit, because I don't know enough about it. And, and uh, they're both such really cool men, but seem so different. The uh, purse was... Um, I want to say the PR man. When uh, when Frank was writing his book, the uh, the silent author that kind of wrote it for him, she gathered enough material to write two volumes on Purse. Wow! Uh, th- that's how prolific he was with the people. I mean, he was he was even rumored to be having. Um, affairs with Betty Davis because he was her personal makeup artist for, he did like 37 pictures with her, something like that. Um, Betty used to get made up in the nude. And when I was working with her, I kept praying that she wouldn't take her clothes off. Uh, (laughs) But wait, when you say that, she's got a bathrobe on, right? No. Oh, stop it. Naked. It was was actually, it was a show. I mean, purse- Purse, in fact, Nick Marcus, you know, at that time would be go with Purse. She would lay on a, on no. a, a couch <gasps> and he would do his work with his brushes, throw them over his shoulder. And Nick would run around and clean him and put them back for him. Oh, no, it was a whole, oh, whole show that went on, you know. That's uh, unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> there might have been a lot of things done with those brushes. <laughs> oh, yeah, my goodness. <laughs> well, yeah. The makeup stuff. It's amazing how some of it looked so bad and fake and other stuff looked perfect. You know, it, would, it looks like it would work today, some of this stuff. Yes. Well, they didn't have a lot of the actors, you know, in the very beginning were making up themselves. Uh, makeup artists did start uh, in the early 20s. Uh, my dad was with Valentino through all of his pictures. They were my dad was a waiter in a restaurant in the studio and met Valentino there and they became friends. And uh, he used to drive his boat when he had his parties on his boat and things like that. Uh, Purse did too. Purse was uh, very, I would say, active in socializing with the stars. Uh, his brother, his twin, Ern, uh, was more of a quiet man, very talented. His talented as Purse was, but very, very quiet. Uh, and, Didn't and have to be to the lecture. star. Yeah. No, he didn't have to start lectured and taught and everything. He he created a uh, cosmetic line, Holiday Magic. But uh, person earned finally they opened up the House of Westmore. In fact, Purse didn't have enough money to finish it. And there was a movie star by the name of Gloria Dixon, who I think Purse might have married her at the head of the fair or whatever. Anyways, she when he told her what the problem was, she gave him her checkbook and says, write a check, whatever you need. Wow. So he wrote him a check for $25,000. And this is going back to 1935. Wow. And uh, it opened the House of Westmore, which was the biggest famous salon right. in Hollywood on Sunset Boulevard. The building's still there. Um, it's attorneys have it now. But this was, there was no Disneyland. There was none of these things. This is where all the stars went. And I know Marion's mother, my wife's mother, had gone there as a, you know, as a civilian 
And you could go there and you'd be sitting under a dryer with Betty Davis right next to you because the stars had wow. carte blanche w- wow. to go there. And they served food and they had, uh, you know, manicurists and pedicurists and everything. Uh, it, it, it was an operation that got too big and it finally closed in the, in the 50s. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But uh, while this was going on, I say Purse really got into that. And he and Earn got into squabbles. And uh, eventually, uh, Earn sold off his shares of stock in the company. And then Purse sold his off. But they never really got back together again mm. over the years, mm. which is too bad. And too uh, bad. Purse became an alcoholic. Well, Earn did too. Well, Earn. Earn had a heart attack and died in uh, the lobby of a hotel in New York. Wow. Uh, he had called me about a week before that. I kind of grew up at his house. He lived not far from where I lived, and I would ride my bicycle over there. And uh, he called me to say, Mick, is I'm really tired and I want to come home. And he used to take me fishing when I was little. Uh, I was married to Marion then, and this was like um, – Late at night, he called me and he said, so I've got this lecture to do and when it's over and I'll come back and we'll go fishing. Well, he died in between that. So it, it never happened. But uh, he was he was, I want to say, next to Bud, my favorite uncle out of all of them. Why? Did, why were you closer to him? Um, I think I was in junior college, not high school. But I think it was junior college. I wanted to build a stereo cabinet. I didn't have any money to buy it. And he had uh, all the Westmores are kind of like have shops and woodworking. Uh, so I noticed that in the book. It could, yeah, yeah. So I went over to Bud's and I spent months building a cabinet. And uh, my best buddy, he wanted to build one too. So the two of us, Bud, you know, we'd go over there and go. Bud, Bud had saws and everything you can imagine. And I became very close to him. And his wife was uh, like a genie who just passed away, I think, about well, about two years ago. Um, and she was a runner-up to Miss America. Uh, she she was like a big sister to me because hmm. Bud, Bud would, was one of those people that got up early and wore himself out. So by like 7, 7.30, he was a, a, asleep on the floor. But I would sit and talk with Gene until like 10 o'clock at night. Hmm. I became very close with him while we were while I was at Universal. During my apprenticeship, I was at the house a lot, you know. For well, you didn't have a you didn't have a dad. He died when you were two. Your no, mother was no. working I, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you needed to a, have these uncles, and you had them. But I had a stepfather by the name of George House, who was a grip. Oh. And uh, my mother married him because she met him on the set, and George had uh, a health situation. He ran away and joined the Army, First World War, at 15 years old, uh, was mustard gassed, and had a hand grenade blow up on him. He had a piece of hand grenade come out of his nose one time when we were sitting at the table. Oh, uh, my God. Yeah, but the, the, the mustard gas affected his lungs. 
So he was not uh, not well his whole life. He used to have to take injections, three injections a, a day for angina pains that would come on. Wow. And I would have to boil the water and boil the needles and sterilize them to, for wow. him to do it. Uh, anyway, that, uh, but he was always my stepfather and I respected him and I listened to him and I liked him, but he was always George. So the night I had to go to the army, which was February 4th in the fifties. And we had to meet a troop train, troop train in Glendale, California. And I remember him driving me cause my mom was working and at the, uh, at the depot, we're all boarding the train to be shipped off to Fort Ord, California. And I turned around. I could cry for you now. And I, I said, good night, Dad. I'll Aww. see you. And as the train pulled out, I saw him on the platform bawling, crying. Aww. And he, he died while I was in the Army. Did you go into the Korean War? What did you do? I was in between Korea in Vietnam. Oh. So, but they did tell us at one point, they called us all in and said, you know, there's a problem. Taiwan may be invaded by China if it does. Because I was in there on a six-month program uh, to get out and go to college and be in reserve for the next seven years. And uh, they said, you're not going home if it happens. Yeah, it never happened. So, wow. but we, uh, <laughs> we went out, we would watch uh, a small combat demonstration where they literally blew the hell out of the field. And we're all looking at each other going, <laughs> and you're supposed to crawl through that, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, all right. Um, so back to Purse and Betty Davis. So when you, by the time you had to do Betty Davis, like you you did her, right? Didn't you do her makeup? Right. So, yeah. so, and I remember you telling me about it in the chair, but I want to hear it again. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so so she was, she was, I mean, I was, was a huge Betty Davis fan, mind you. Don't worry. I can imagine that she was not easy to get along with always, but she was certainly no. gifted. She should never had kids in the family. That was her problem. <laughs> just, just stay a great, great actress and <laughs> be over with. Uh, she had in her house, you know, she smoked all the time. And all around her house, she had these little things with wood matches in them and beautiful antiques. And she'd go, she'd stick a steer in her mouth. And she'd take one of these matches and go like that on a, on right a up piece of furniture. And here's this, you know, how they scorch when all of a sudden the bottom you go, these were little scorches all over the place from doing that. But, um, okay, my last time with her, I uh, it was over at her house. She lived in Hollywood in a, in a big apartment building there. And I forgot my lights and uh, put the clamp on lights up. And so she had a beautiful sunroom. And so I got there and I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot the lights. So uh, I said, can't we go in the sunroom and do your makeup? No, get the lights. So I called Marion. Thank God she was home. And I said, honey, you got to bring me the lights. So we lose like an hour for Marion to get the lights to me. So we put up the lights and I'm doing her makeup. And she, you know, she had had a stroke prior to this. Uh, and so her, her face is a little off and I'm doing her makeup and I doing her eyebrows. I put her eyebrows on like a beautiful, like your eyebrows, Elizabeth Taylor's eyebrows, really nice eyebrows. She looks in the mirror and goes, that's not right. And so I said, what do you want? And so I handed her an eyebrow pencil and she went like this. 
Oh my goodness. Three, three times, three of these Bozo the Clown circles <laughs> over her eye. And I said, which one do you want? And she says, yeah, you pick it out. So I erased <laughs> between it. And, and I had, no, I had this here and this <laughs> which here Which one going. do you want? <laughs> yeah. Which one do you want? Uh, so I, I finally, three, wait, you know, So just to get this right, three different, three different lines. She three, draws on. three different circles <laughs> going like that, but they over, <laughs> over, you know, overlapped. And, and it's like, so I finally worked it out where there was an even one going there. That's hilarious. And, uh, so and her rouge, she wanted her she rouge looked, a certain way, right? Yes. She looked at it and goes, uh, I don't have enough rouge. So, <laughs> and I had it, I literally had her literally subtly, really beautifully done. So this was a cream rouge. And she took the, the makeup sponge, this little white makeup sponge, and she scrubbed it into the, the rouge. And she does this right on the fronts of both. Oh, my. Like Baby Jane, what they made her up on. Yeah. Like this. So here she is with these (laughs) eyebrows and this all this pink rouge on. And where where we were going was Brian Gumble was interviewing her. Oh, my God. uh, At a television studio. So I get in the car. And she's in a wheelchair. She doesn't want to walk. She's in a wheelchair. So I'm. I'm literally pushing the wheelchair and this is my personal makeup artist with me, you know? And it's like, Oh shit. And it's like, oh, yeah, we can say that. <laughs> the worst, the worst makeup artist in the world. It looks like if you look at her face, right. Oh. Okay. So, yeah. So Brian's interviewing her and her, her daughter had just written that book that says oh. what a horrible person she is. And so Brian would say, now Betty, you just won the, the universal award of honor from the American Art Institute and stuff like that. Brian would say, you just won all this. And she would, uh, he would expect a reply. And she would go, that damn daughter of mine just, you know, hit on her daughter, just something terrible. And so the whole thing ended. And Brian came over to me and he said, do you, did you understand any of this? I said, no. <laughs> he said, I I am never going to interview her again. And I said to him, I'll make a deal with you. If you promise me you will never interview her again, I will never do her makeup again. And we actually shook hands. So thank God I got I got I got paid. She paid well, so <laughs> I got a check. But the, the money was not worth it. The time. No. So yeah. a- after that. Um, when she needed a makeup artist, she would call a house and Marion, I was doing Star Trek then. And uh, Marion would call over there to the studio and she, and all she would say was, guess who's calling. (laughs) And I knew right away. I said, all right, I'm out of town. I'm in Europe. And I, I never went back to do her again. Wow. It was, it was great to follow Elizabeth Taylor around. Um, there's, uh, Marsha Mason was like that. Uh, Pharaoh was like that, you know, um, you know, had we done a show together, an individual type of thing, uh, you know, you're like that. It's, uh, just being a human being, it's not that it, I'm a star it? and I have an entourage, just being a human being. And, uh, I mean, you worked harder than anybody as far as I'm concerned 
on the sets. I know it must have been really hard building the sets, but the designer wasn't always there building. You were always there. You were making the molds. You were rushing down. You were coming mm-hmm. to have to do my makeup or LeVar's thing or, you know. And then you were going to production meetings. And you had all the problems that anyone would come up with in the hair department or wherever were ultimately on your lap. So mm-hmm. the fact that you could keep a sense of humor and decency was remarkable because I certainly wouldn't have been able to, but you did. You're amazing, Michael. And that set a tone, I think, for the whole the whole production. And it must have been true for all of the shows because you were the constant, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's where you are very, very particular. And you're not the way Purse is described. I don't know, Earn, so I no. don't know. But but you are somebody who actually makes everybody's life better and you're a genius at your job. And I love and respect how you and Marion, um, your relationship is, is quite beautiful. I love what you wrote, uh, your dedication in the book. That was wonderful. But, you know, you would talk about such, like, what you were going to eat for dinner. We would talk recipes. We would talk, you know, mm. wines or whatever. And that's what's so much fun, it seems to me. Yeah. And I I was a dummy completely. I did not get—you should have slapped me around a little, I think, because, <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't understand the— that you needed a darker base because if you're standing with the lights, you're going to wash out if you're as white-skinned as me. I kept going, but I thought I had an okay complexion. And, you know, and, and and then I always felt so made up. I couldn't believe how much makeup would be on my face. I was I was always wiping it off by mistake because I didn't, I never had I know, worn I would, makeup. I would have it ready to put on as fast as you could wipe it off. <laughs> I just... I, I just was so unused to having makeup on, yeah, you know? Yeah. And and I think the first time I understood it was, like, uh, remarkable was the big goodbye. You took 10 minutes to do my lips. And I had watched Marina do that with it, and I thought, wow, that I just— But then when I saw the product, I thought, wow, that's that's amazing what you made me look like. Anything. It takes a little time to learn the technique for it. But once you have it, uh, you know— yeah. Some of the, uh, uh, no, I think Major Roddenberry, no, I used to do it to her too, but uh, she wouldn't stop talking. Major, so I have to. <laughs> and, and once was Shirley MacLaine. Uh, she would only sit in the chair for 20 minutes and she was up in 20 minutes and gone. And one day she had spent time talking to other people and I didn't get it done. So I literally put her eyebrows on. Uh, we were at an airport and there was a chain link fence there, you know, the little things on the chain. I had to come yeah. over and put her eye on the fence and literally put her eyebrows on. That's you know, hilarious. That is amazing. Well, the the funny memory I have of you is when suddenly I would need, they would say, go get your makeup touched up. So I would be there and you would have been up in the lab and you'd come hauling down, you know, from upstairs and be starting to do my makeup. And I, and I would look up and there was so much crap on your eyeglasses that I couldn't even see your eyes. Oh, yeah. And, I, hanging, and I would say, hanging down like that. And I would say, Mike, Michael, Michael, you have to clean your glasses. You cannot, <laughs> you can't even see me. How can, and we used to laugh. I just remember that somehow you could see, but, but I'm looking up. It looks like you're blind. It is better if they're cleaned. It, it really is. <laughs> who worked on who worked on um, the Casablanca movie? 
What studio? Isn't it Paramount? Or is that Warner's? Warner's would have been Purves, which was interesting because the entrance to Casablanca was on the back lot of Universal. Oh. But Universal didn't make it. Yeah, it's one of those things the tour bus would go by and point at. Probably still does. Well, she was so beautiful, um, uh, Ingrid Bergman. My dad did either it's either Rebecca or Intermezzo. He did he did Rebecca. I remember okay. reading that. My Which, dad did that, Rebecca. It was it was uh, Rebecca Intermezzo. He did Gone with the Wind, followed right away or overlapping with Rebecca Intermezzo, and then he literally died in uh, in March of 1940. Wow! Um, of which they think that he, he was over. Selznick killed him. Yeah, I was lucky enough. Uh, it was like two years ago to be invited to the 80th anniversary of Gone with the Wind in Atlanta, Georgia. It's actually held in Marietta, Georgia. And to meet women from all over the world who were uh, called Windies. And they had this meeting. It's like the best convention out of all of them. And I still have my dad's book that lists all the actors in their costumes and the dressing rooms that were assigned to them and everything. Uh, And I took that book with me and, and shared it with everybody. It's, 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 he had a, a, a strenuous life working for mm. Selznick and he did for quite a while. I think it's probably one of the things that, you know, helped kill him. Um, no, it's, and I, and I, I regret not having the interest to have asked my mother more questions before she passed right. away because she knew everything. In fact, wow. the original Steve Reeves, the original Superman, wow. she said she knew who killed him. <laughs> she was working yeah. with them and I'm going, Oh my God, who? And she says, I won't tell. So she did keep a lot of secrets and didn't, didn't tell things. But who was your mom's favorite of the actors that she worked on? She did hair. Yes. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I never, it's hmm. like, I never asked her for a favorite. I know there were people over at universal, uh, that would come through guest stars and things like that. Cause she, she did a lot of television shows there. Uh, but her career goes all the way back to working on the, the in the silent films, uh, the King of Kings. Wow. And wow. Uh, yeah. How did they start? Do you have any idea how they began to do these wave pin curl things? I mean, it's the most arduous thing. I looked at the makeup book that, your your family has that they I don't know who wrote it maybe purse I'm not sure purse somebody had yes it is so complicated you know to cut it and then have the permanent wave and then do this it, how did those things happen it was just I'd say between my grandfather I would say when it comes down to hairstyling uh, my grandfather and purse were the two masters of it and uh, whether grandfather did it and passed it on to purse or purse came up with it I don't know. It's a matter of, you know, like somebody coming up with an idea, I want this look, and how am I going to get this look? And this, that's the same thing that I would go through uh, on, on my, during my career, or even on Star Trek. I want to make uh, this lizard alien, and where am I going to start? First thing right. is doing research, then doing little sketches, and uh, then putting it into clay. And in the beginning years, especially through Next Gen, I never had time to even do sketches or anything. Everything went into clay because we were going, so you know, I thought we'd at least have a day in between episodes to be <laughs> able to so do fast. things. 
And then all of a sudden, this this was especially on Enterprise because uh, Scott had a deal where he finished at six o'clock every Friday. That means we mm. had to totally rearrange all our schedules mm. for him to leave. And it's like, okay, that alien that was supposed to work in five days now is going to work in two. Ah. You know, it's like. You know, the makeup you did for the show I directed, Genesis, I think oh, was. Oh, one of my favorites. I'm telling you, it was absolutely brilliant what you did. You worked with their individual faces. When I think of Jonathan's face and Patty's, uh, extraordinary. It it looked absolutely completely organic, completely yeah. organic. And yeah. Doug's the spider was. Oh, breathtaking. I love that. I had. Oh my, I had, that was uh, the best ever. Uh, makeup artist by the name of Mike Smithson. He spent the Christmas holiday sculpting that we could have never oh. had it in time there was never any enough time to get everything ready that we needed to for that show uh without having the christmas break right it was not only the christmas break we had a um a, an earthquake that was yeah. when the northridge earthquake happened that's what i remember about it and uh yeah. It, it really made it so difficult because there were crews. We had to shut down for a while and then come back, and it, everything got – they were already starting to, to shoot the next episode. But I adored that time together working on it. You and I brainstormed that, and it was so much fun. I thought, um, you know, they let me – instead of having uh, Troy just beautiful in the bathtub, I said, let's have her hair molting off. Let's, you know, remember, and I put her upside down and keep she, her in her uniform. She hated me. Marina has hated me to this day. <laughs> but you know what? She was a trooper, and it was a really startling, yeah. stunning thing because no one would expect, you know, her to be in a uniform. They they wanted, to, you know, the writers had her as a glamorous in the bathtub, but it was really spooky that way, and I loved it. I only yeah. wish that the spider could have dropped down from above. That would have been my— but, you know, I think if if they had—because I know you had other ideas, too— uh, and you you would talk to me about what you what you think, and it's like there are, it's like let you have your your own reign, let you have your your image and your idea, your creative thought to do it, as opposed to and it, this happened not all the time, but many times even with me and some of my creatures and things like that, where you know I'd say this is what I want to do, and they'd scratch their head, and uh, it would be. Mm, you know, going back to simplicity, almost like Terry Farrell's hair. Every time they try to do a different uh, hairstyle on her, it would be rejected and she'd wind up with a uh, ponytail. So I, I know you, you, the episode you were given had so much creativity to it. I that know, it could have I gone, know. gone further. I know. I know. And, and I, I didn't understand the politics of things. Mary Howard. I didn't understand the politics. And so anyway, that was a tough lesson because I loved directing so much. Um, and I, I, well, I love it in the theater when I've done it. Uh, it, it. Anyway, I'm very happy we had that collaboration. It made it m much more fun. And also the prop, mm -hmm. Will Will Toms was so nice and, and the prop people yeah. were so sweet. It was great. I felt the the crew was, was behind me in a really difficult time for them because they'd had, some of them lost their homes in the earthquake and stuff. Mm -hmm. But that's, yeah. you know, that was the thing of not only the cast of Next Generation, but the crew also had bonded 
mm. with everybody. Uh, it, it's just, it was, it was a pleasure going to work and working. Uh, a prop man could come in and say, here's this uh, sculpture that I want to use in it, but this person's supposed to be a Klingon. What can we do? We sculpted a Klingon forehead and hair on this thing and painted it the same color. Uh, is that, or Bob Blackman would, would call me and say, look, it, I want to put a scoop neck on him, and this person has scales on him. Uh, can you do anything? Yeah. We'll take and make you a sheet of stuff to – you can do That's that. Great. It's like nobody – the only time I said no was one night in, in uh, Whoopi Goldberg's bar. She was supposed to take a fork and stab, uh, might have been Dwight Schultz, stab him in the back of the hand with a fork. And so at 10 o'clock at night, they called me, or we were there still shooting. Uh, Do you have a hand you'd bring in so we could put it there and she can stab the hand? And I said, I I don't, actually, I had hands, not painted, nothing like that. It would look terrible. I said, you can do it in the morning if you want to take the time. And uh, they, they never did it. Right. But it was, I, I hated to say no, but I didn't have a one painted ready to go because it was right. uh, last minute thought. Yeah. Well, I would, I would have, I would have heard about it. And that's <laughs> right. why, exactly. I mean, I literally checked every single person in makeup before they went to the set. I would make sure if I didn't catch them, I'd try to catch them in the chair before they got out. Uh, and I would catch things over the years, somebody putting a Klingon head on, upside down or backwards and uh, somebody did put a Ferengi head on way up in the middle of their forehead. Right. Uh, so I, and, and take them and, you know, make all those corrections. I would take two of my best people to correct it if somebody had made a mistake. So we could always make that seven o'clock uh, on set ready. Hair was always the biggest, uh, that, that was the trickiest, wasn't it? Because there's so much that yeah. has to be, yeah, it was very tricky. And you always had to take the grief from everyone, from the actors, from the producers, and from the hairdressers. That was yeah. a lot. Yeah. 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 There, was a, there was one. We did one episode called, I think, The Toys Are the Most Toys. And I had built a face for this uh, girl who was supposedly humanoid. And so I kind of flattened her face out and had two antenna that were coming out of her forehead. And Josie did this beautiful alien type of a hairstyle on her, get her all done. And she goes, I hate it. And she literally went up to Roddenberry. No. And Yep. And so he said, uh, for the hairdressing, just to do a simple modern day hairstyle and for me to take the antennas off. So the girl, it looked like a person that had run into a wall and their face was flat. I watched the episode. I could watch any of the episodes a billion times. I've only watched this episode once. I was so upset that I would let her intimidate, but she hated it. It's one of my, one of my few, I want to say disappointments in the makeup, but they, when they finally got it all, as we were filming it and they were watching dailies, they finally put a line in there that she had had an accident. That is such a hard situation. An actor, you have a different thing in your head. Then you see something and you go, I hate it. When actually, if you didn't have such a time pressure, you could start to look at it and then readjust your thinking and you might end up loving it. Yeah. I had one, one actor in 18 years 
when he came into the lab and I told him he's going to be an alien, I have to get a face cast. He says, I'm not doing that. He says, they didn't tell me that. I said, okay, let me make a phone call. Mm. And so I, I called up Rick and casting and they said, tell him to come on down. They let him go and they yep. recast it. But one, but he was a really handsome, good looking guy. And I'm sure he wanted to look like himself and didn't want to. Right. Right. You know. Well, that's what's so funny. Ours was the show where you could have, you know, six times someone could play an alien and they look differently and it it was great. Do you remember who Nehemiah Persoff is? No, I don't think so. Old time actor. He goes back into the 40s into gangster films and things. And he was an elderly man and he came into the lab. He came, we were on stage 10 then, and he's blumbering across the stage with this little almost horrible look on his face, you can imagine. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I got to tell him he's supposed to be an alien. So I, he came in the room and I said, you know, what I have planned for you. And I did have a sketch for it, but I said, this is, this is what I have planned to do. And as I'm telling him that, all of a sudden I see his face, his mouth starting to smile. Oh, and cool. his eyes squint. <laughs> and he's going, he says, my grandkids are going to love this. You know, <laughs> and I was surprised they never brought him back. Uh, mm. You know, reprise the character because he mm. did such a fantastic job. He had a he had a brass ring that went around his whole head and went up his nose. Oh so, yeah, yeah. In your running, like your own little mini corporation of hairdressers and and makeup artists and up in the lab, uh, what what did you find the most tricky and difficult about being that? You know, I'm going to call you a CEO because you were the head of that whole thing. Yeah, I, I think uh, the way I treated everybody, I was, you know, not pushy. Uh, if somebody had a problem, we'd work it out. But I, I really never had anybody that I want to say I disliked and wasn't there. They were all willing to do what I asked them to do. They knew they were there to do aliens. They knew that hours were going to be long, but they were making money. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have any, I didn't have any really any prima donnas ever. I was very careful in hiring. I want to say on Voyager, uh, I had to let a person go because they weren't, weren't doing their job. Um, and I think that's about the only one, but we still parted friends. And if Mary Howard was, you know, yelling or screaming that uh, where is everybody I protected them. I wouldn't run down her and say, well, it's not my fault. They're doing it. Right. You know? I would protect her and I would tell her that, you know, there's a reason for us being behind because I know there was, everything was budgeted to be able to do within X amount. And if it isn't done, there's a reason for it. So I want to say my whole life at Star Trek was, was heaven. It was a whole career for me. And I only literally, I want to say blew up, twice Mm, in the entire 18 years where I literally went crazy once on next gen and once on one of the movies. Which was the next gen? Which was that one? uh, There there was one of the shows where Worf's spine was removed from his back. Right. Right. And it was put into supposedly a fish tank and they were supposed to get a fish tank that was big enough that they could lay this spine out in. So I couldn't get to the set right away. I get there, and this little teeny fish tank, the spine was bent 
in an uh, arc. Uh, and I went crazy. Yeah. And the prop man says, well, that's, uh, you know, uh, and I <laughs> And it's basically unacceptable. I went crazy. And I literally ran around the crew. And, I, and he'd say, well, what's a spine supposed to look like? Well, it looked like a spine. It was fact, right. two, two vertebrae were marked into, made into one. And it was supposedly a spine. And I'd say, look at this guy here. Here's his back. It starts up here and it goes down and it's flat. And it should lay flat. And, blah, blah, blah. and they just, yeah. they, it's like nothing we could do about it. They weren't going to wait or whatever. But Poor planning. A prop man screwed yeah. up, basically. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, But I went around and I was crazy. And, and I'm the one that went back and apologized to him for uh, uh, for his well, screw you're up. Cla- you know? You're classy. <laughs> the other the other one on, on the, uh, which I forget which, which movie it was, but they told me, uh, oh, Brent was just going to do a close-up and only needed, he told me, all you need is do the lower part of my face. That's all they're going to see. So that's all I did. So they're screaming on the set that Westmore screwed up, that oh, uh, he didn't do Brent's makeup and blah, blah, blah. And they're blaming you. And I got on my bicycle and I raced over the stage. I literally threw my bike on the ground. Oh, I wish I I'd seen that. It. Oh, I, was, I was so so pissed. I was like, so I, uh, I went into the stage and the first AD was uh, kind of r- r- ranging on me. And uh, Marty Hornstein, who has passed away and has been a dear friend, was a dear friend <laughs> going back to my days at Universal when he was a second AD. But he was in uh, producing, uh, production manager on the show. And he was standing beside me. And uh, I, I was very careful not to use any four-letter words. Uh, <laughs> and the, the first AD was up on the stage, you know, and as I said, he was blaming me for everything. And I, I reached over to Marty into his ears and I said... Marty, get me out of here because I can't think of anything else to say. <laughs> and he says, put his arm around me. said, Michael, come with me. <laughs> he marched me off the stage. And, and that was the that's, end of it. <laughs> you know? That's hilarious. That's so great. I hated and tried to get taken off the uh, villages where they would have a camera set up uh, or a television set set up in the background for the makeup artist and, the hair, and makeup hair and wardrobe to sit back there. Nobody's watching the set. I used to stay. In fact, whenever I had to come in and take over, I would stand literally right next to the camera and Brad Jacobian would look over and says, you know, oh, my God, we're not we're not used to that. Most everybody. And they have to call for him. Make right. You know, right. I hated that. And I tried to get rid of it. But uh, I think wardrobe wanted it. So Mary left yeah. it. Yeah. No, I, it's one of those things. Now, of course, every single thing that's made, there's a behind the scenes thing going on. So you would have always had a camera on you up in the lab or anywhere. But I, I mean, it's just change is all it is. But it, it's we are yeah. we are so expected to do. I, I, I still talk about this with a couple of people in the podcast. You are expected to do your own hair and makeup and look at the YouTube videos and teach yourself how to do it and then teach yourself how to put the lights up and find someone to do the off-camera lines. I mean, it's on you. I'm sure Mackenzie has. She looks so much like Marion. Sorry, when I saw that picture of you guys. Oh, my gosh, it's amazing. So beautiful. Your kids are really amazing. All three of them are just wonderful. You know, I wasn't there. Marion did a good job. In fact, this is our 55th year anniversary. Oh, Uh, that's so great. Yeah, it's been a while. So Uh, one thing I forgot to tell you about my mother Um, in talking about training, 
So the first thing I do <clears throat> uh, after I get my, finish my apprenticeship and get assigned, I forgot it, it might've been on McHale's Navy, that all of a sudden they say, your mother's the hairdresser on the show. I'm going, uh, oh, no. Yeah. So <laughs> she would stand behind me, though. You know, where they're oh. getting ready to shoot and everything. And uh, it's like, you, you, when do you, what do you do? Where do you go? And she would stand behind me, and I would feel a finger in my back, which meant go powder. You know? Wow. So I, I wow. learned the timing from I knew this is when you go. Because they wow. don't say powder or whatever. So, right. uh, yeah, it, it was actually a great experience to, to be with my mom for my first year. Your father, though, had been, he had been obviously successful in the business. He wasn't able to save money so that your mother didn't have to go quite so quickly back to work? Or did she also really love the whole business? She loved the no, work? No, she, she, uh, she didn't go instantly. Uh, I don't know what the time period was between, but it wasn't long but it was like, you know, wanting a steady income because we had a whole household to take care of. There right, were right. two of us and a housekeeper, my mom and George. Uh, so, uh, right. you know, having to, having, having to pay for the gardener. No, I don't think people save money like they have in more recent times. That's why I was, I mean, it was one of my main things. Uh, I always put X amount of dollars, temperate, maybe 10% of my salary away. I would pay myself first. I read that somewhere. So I would pay myself first. And, yeah, that uh, makes so much sense. Were you, what car did you drive when you were at, at doing our show? I don't even remember I you in a car. I either had the Jag or Mercedes. You did? Yeah. I just can't, I just don't picture that with you. Yeah. <laughs> I see you on a bike. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That bike finally wore out. It's uh but I actually had one stolen. Um, th there was a big uh, bicycle theft ring on the lot. And if, and I even had mine locked up, but they cut the chain and stole that bicycle. Wow. It was one wow. that all, all of my people that I worked for, that worked for, that worked for me, uh, chipped in and bought me a bicycle at Christmas. Oh, uh, that's one awesome. Time. And I rode it for about a year. And it's uh, you wow. needed it. Production office was so far away. It wasn't yeah. a place. It was probably good to walk, but uh, you waste a lot of time. And, right. So you know. if there was one other thing that you could do, like if you suddenly were 40, okay, what uh, is what new road? Because you were always someone who was doing new stuff, it seemed to me. I, I think I would immerse myself more in, in the Civil War. Uh, luckily enough, while I was younger, um, went on a tour of Civil War battlefields. Marion and I went, and we had a tour we were going to take, but we went by ourselves to Richmond, and we got the car in D.C., and the lady says, do you want both of your names on this now? And Marion says, no, he does not have his name to be able to drive this car oh. because we're driving, we're driving down the road, and I'd go, Wait a minute, there's a sign to Manassas, you know, and it's like, you know, trying to turn yeah. to get there. Yeah. And I literally, in, in the two weeks we were there, I visited more battlefields. It got to the point where she had, you know, Vogue magazine and family living and everything in the car. And she would drive up to a battlefield, which was just maybe a sign and a cannon. 
and she'd say, go ahead, just come on back when you're ready. You know? And she said, they all look alike. They're mounds with grass and a cannon on it. And that's it. But myself, no. I would, I would get this feeling of, oh my God, this is where it actually took place. This it's ground haunting. is, is, is filled with, you know, yep. gallons of blood where people died. It's like, this is what, uh, you know, I have gotten. So I think I would have gone into maybe that I'd do that now, but I am. It's what I'm doing. I'm reading book after book after book. It's sad because you know what? I had these huge books, like about three foot by two foot books. And one of them was filled with authentic, all of the photographs of the Civil War in black and white. And I donated them to a library because they're, Mm -hmm. I mean, they weigh about 40 pounds each. Each book was so heavy. And then another one was World War II. I I have uh, every script, and I was 18 years on the show, uh, over 600 and some scripts I had design aliens for. I have saved every single script. And uh, I know the University of California, Santa Barbara would like them for their archives, which I think you said there's Roddenberry's at UCLA, but uh, I, I'm oh, hoping to do that. Fantastic. It, it that would be fantastic. That would be fantastic. to sell it. Yeah. Well, you'd make money, but here's the thing. It's a real gift. I sold some of mine to build a theater. It's just amazing to have something in mind when you're going to be dealing with your Star Trek stuff like that. I got great prices, but I wasn't just using it to buy a new car or a new dress or whatever. I was really putting it to something that was going to go on and give again. And I think that's what's really wonderful. When you have your collection, it's the most brilliant collection because you were so creative on it. It should be kept together. It's different knowing it's yours. It's different. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You're part of a dynasty, and and you are a generous person. You know, you're a generous pharaoh. <laughs> you you are giving back, and your your kids have really picked it up. Your kids have such great personalities too. There's just something so solid. Um, it's like you're all from a Thornton Wilder play or something. You're just really well, and, and great people. All, but their kids are, I said, are, are doing so good. Michael has invented this new glue that's being used by the studios. Mackenzie with her makeup. Uh, Michelle is uh, an executive on an entertainment management firm and things. It's like, uh, it's nice to be able to, to sit there. It's very nice. And, yeah, and it watch is. Them, watch them do that. You still have your wine cellar? You still have? Uh... The problem with it is I haven't probably opened a bottle of wine in a long time. And I have, I have like 750 bottles of wine. Oh, whoa. Or maybe more. It could be a grand because I've got a, a hundred or so outside and I've collected it so long. And there's, I mean, I've got uh, Chateau Margaux. I've got. Oh, uh, oh. I've got Michael, so many I, think, I think you might have to invite me over. I think, what's this, <laughs> I, think, I think I can help with at least 20 bottles. You know, we could have oh, a few sessions, okay? We could, that, we, could, we could attack some of it. Maybe you guys will come to my place in France, which is, it, it's right in a wine region. It's uh, Languedoc. And uh, Domas Gassac is one of the great wines of that region. And there's some really lovely, mm-hmm. lovely wines. Um, it, and and they, w- did you ever see Montovino? That's a documentary on the mm-hmm. wine. You should check it out. Mm-hmm. You would love it. And it's got all these people. It's right from um, the region in France where I am because Monto, uh, Monto. What's the company? Anyway, it's not Monovino. It's something else. They wanted to come and buy all this land right where I live. And everybody collectively said, no, this is our land. This is our wine. And we're not wow. going to let a big corporation. Wow. 
And it's a wonderful documentary. It's called Montovino. See if you can check that out. Well, you know, I have Fire Stick. So all you have to do is say Montovino. And it, wow. if, if it's been made, it'll come up. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. Now, Michael set that up for you, right? Yes, he did. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. a, it's, it's like $35. And it's like <laughs> wow. a couple wires and it's, and it's in. That's amazing. Well, yeah. you you have been so generous to do this, and I could really I would love to hear more stories about you know what well, we'll kind of pies. Again. Whenever we'll do it whenever again. Whenever you want to. You're the best, Michael. You're really great. Well, you know, as I said, when they when they called me and said Gates would like to do this, I said anything, we'll do it. So <laughs> you know. Oh, all right. Well, give yeah, my love to Marion. I will. You know, we started in 1987. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, beautiful friendship. Yeah. All our left to you and your family. Thank you, Michael. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, I am sorry not to have a two-parter with Michael, because personally, I could listen to his stories for days on end. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Can you believe it? 15 episodes of my podcast have aired. Investigates. Who do I think I am? Don't answer that. Anyway, I am going to be working on a couple of new projects, so I need to take another break before I begin my new season. Feel free to tweet some of your suggestions for future guests. I have several in mind, but I just need to carve the space into my schedule. I so appreciate your support and encouragement on this maiden podcast voyage. Truly, thank you so much for listening. Hoping to meet up soon when the new series of Investigates Who Do You Think You Are begins to air. So until then, a huge thanks to all of you. Stay safe.